0: We all have pressure in our lives and pressure makes diamonds and yet in the heat of a moment that pressure can lead to various ways that we handle a situation either aggressively or bringing out some degree of kindness and that's what Diamond Kind is about. You're Welcome again. So we're back here at our um, podcast, our Diamond Kind series. Today we've got a guest uh, who is... Um, uh, an acquaintance of of Brett's, uh, and and his name is Zamil. So I might hand over to Brett to to make an introduction and yeah, go from there.
1: Thanks, Floyd. And it's uh, obviously good to be back again after we had a great uh, first episode with uh, with Rory. So that was a really inspiring episode. And Zamil is uh, the national sales director at Vertus. Uh, with a um, he's got a passion. For helping and connecting organisations with their customers, he's also a devoted um, and loving father. Has spent the last thirty-five years serving and supporting marginalised communities. So, look forward to talking to Zamil about that. Um, And now we will call him in. Rex, how
2: are you?
1: Zamil, how are you going? I'm well, mate. Good, good, how good. Are you doing? I'm going on game very well, very, very well. Thanks again, and we've got uh, Doctor Floyd Gomes with me as well.
0: Hey, Zamil. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us. So, where are you at the moment, uh, Zamil? In in space. I'm in my bedroom at the moment. That sounds like a nice place to be, actually. A lot of people would be, isn't it? Uh, pretty much that that's uh, what's happening around the country.
2: Um, look, I'm, I'm in Perth. Yeah. And um, I, we have, we're very fortunate not to have the whole lockdown situation and COVID to be as, uh, as, as, as full-on as it is in other states. So we're very lucky. I've uh, had a beautiful morning. I got my citizenship, my Australian citizenship last night, and um, I'm just so grateful for being in this country and making that move, so I've taken a day off just to to celebrate that all actually,
0: and uh,
2: as a part of it, this uh, this is one of my gifts of giving back.
0: Wow, congratulations, that's awesome. Thank you. There you go. And what, what did you have to do as part of the uh, ceremony? Just uh, remind me what the present state of uh, play is you, with um, becoming a you
2: you, you you have to obviously go through the whole um, proving why, uh, which took about a year, and then the actual ceremony, you go to the local council offices of your local constituent and uh, you, um, by the mayor... Um, stand up with 90 people that were there from 52 different countries and uh, you pledge your allegiance to um, to the Australian way of life and um, you get a certificate um, I took my son we took a photo with the mayor in front of the flags under the queen and we um, celebrated by sharing food and you know the food that they put on and that's it. You're
0: you're in. Nice, nice. So that's good. So the whole family's involved with that, then.
2: Yeah, exactly. Me and my son.
0: Yeah. Do you want to sort of let us know a little bit about yeah where you've come from and 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 you know where you find yourself now?
2: My, um, I'll start just at the beginning because this is where, um, in terms of kindness, which is what this podcast ultimately is leading towards, and how I. You know, continue to practice kindness, and why is uh, is what was given by my mother and father. So, my father's from Bangladesh, my mother's English Irish. I was born in Birmingham in England, which um, during the seventies and sixties and seventies was a uh, you know the heart of the industrial revolution. Was also the the time because of its where it's placed in England, it's the heart of the country. It's the second largest city. So you had a lot of immigrants. You had um, Jamaicans, you had Indians, you had Pakistanis, you had uh, Bangladeshi's, um, uh, big Irish um, contingent as well as the, you know, the British, but very working class. And um, yeah, as a part of that, my mom and dad they owned a, um, they owned a cafe, an Irish cafe. And in the, in this Irish cafe, the reasons why they bought it was because of, um, all of the, uh, the Irish and the people looking for work. It was the old days when the trucks used to rock up and used to get literally picked from a, a group of people on the back of the truck and away you went. And so the cafe was right there. And so they used to get a cup of tea in there. And so mom and dad bought that. And that was really, um, mom and dad getting together was around, you know, English and and Bangladesh and, you know, coming together. And that really wasn't, there was a lot of racism back then. But my mum and dad were both leaders in the community. So this cafe turned into a bit of a a community hub for everybody. And this particular area that I was brought up in was bohemian. And so it was all about people helping each other. And my mum and dad were the catalyst towards um, paying it forward. So if there was somebody that needed something doing, we'd always know somebody within the community that could do that. So it was very, very Mm. self-sustaining. We had people staying with us. Um, We fed people. And, um, yeah, they were very fair, very strict. And my dad had a saying that, uh, you know, if you've got a problem, I've got a problem. If you've got no problem, I've got no problem. And it was... Mm. um, a beautiful place to brought up in. So, yeah, spent the most part of my life in, in, in the UK. And, um, and then I came over to, to, to Australia about 21 years ago. And um, IT is, is, is always predominantly in my, um, my area of, of work. And I've worked in that. And I love what I do. And I love what I do because in technology, technology helps so many people. And, and helping people because of the foundations that my mother and father set and community and bringing those people together and networking and working out who can do what, where, and how we can bring that as a collaboration forward with equality and, right, you know, lifting people up. It's just a natural thing that I did. So technology is what I moved into and um, came over to Australia because of wanting a better way of life. I was sick of the whole we just fed up with the whole, um, dark nights, television culture. Um, yeah, that's what it was like for me in England. Mm. And so me and my, um, now ex-wife decided that we'd come and we'd, we'd land in Melbourne. So we came to Melbourne, um, um, on a working holiday visa and pretty much within the sort of first three months got picked up by some, uh, uh, some IT companies, large IT companies, and, and that began our, our path and the way forward. And so I just spent, I spent sort of 19, 20 years in in Melbourne and that community. And again, just forged a, a relationship with my, my, my community, my peers at work, um, other organizations, and, and continued that same approach of bringing people together Um so that's, that's that part of it. Um, the other part of it was, I, um, had uh, some health challenges. So I had a son, my, my son six years ago and, um, you know, I was working for an, an organization, a fantastic organization called Zodacom and we just landed the largest technology digital transformation deal. And, um, yeah, about a year after my son being born, I I, I got cancer. And um, during that time, it was, it was really challenging because I wanted to control everything. I always wanted to manage stuff. And mm. here I am being in a situation where I couldn't do any of that. So I had to quickly come to a point of surrender and acceptance and get through it. And got through it, I did, the first time around. So from getting through it, um, that first time, I just, after chemotherapy and uh, it, was, it was really challenging. It changed who I was as a person. And so coming back into the workforce, I, I came into remission and, and coming back into the workforce, I was just riddled with anxiety. And so um, I was doing a little bit of work on it, but not too much work on it. And I just thought I could just continue to push on through because a large part of me was to provide for my, my family at that time. I was still young and um about a year later i got re diagnosed with cancer this time worse um it was non hodgkin's lymphoma and it spread to a couple of other areas and i they had to take a more aggressive uh, approach towards treatment and so this time around um i really brought my community and and my friends uh, together to help me support me during that that next part of that journey and so i had a stem cell transplant um Intensive chemo, um, isolated for months at a time in hospitals. And, um, yeah, went to some really dark places, but managed to somehow get through. But during the process of all of that, um, I was having some neurological episodes. And when they checked that, as well as the, um, lymphoma, they found that I had a, um, a low grade glioma, which is a, a small brain tumor. And they didn't know what to do with it. So. That really shook me up, even mm. in the process of what chemotherapy does to you, which is a strip you of everything. Um, and it's undiscriminative in terms of what it does uh, and what it sort of kills. And so, you know, that was really hard on my, um, on my, on my partner and, um, you know, hard on everybody, really. So, anyway, mm. I got through it, I got a stem cell transplant. And then at the end of treatment, my partner, she decided that she couldn't take it anymore. Uh, the last sort of two years of, of what we'd been through was just too much for her. So this, she decided to leave and she decided to take my son and relocate to Perth, which is where her family was. And um, it was at that moment um, I thought to myself, well, I might as well end my life because I literally just had focused everything on getting through for my family. And now my family wasn't there. What am I going to do? So at that moment, I decided, you know, let's, let's end my life. And then I thought about it. And I thought that if my son ever gets into a difficult moment in his life, and he thinks, Oh, well, my dad checked out, I can do that. So I took it off the table. It was no longer uh, an option. And from that moment forward to this day and every single day, I planned myself into self-help, no matter what it was. Um, psychiatric help, um, counseling, cancer cancelling, um, you name it, I did it. And as a consequence of that, I'm here today, and I fast forward with there's a lot of stuff that has gone, gone by, but I'm the best version of myself. And a, a large part of that, that journey was, was building a faith in a higher power, was, was working through all of the challenges and the resentments I might have had and, and laying them to rest and truly being grateful for every moment and every day yeah. and helping others and, and, and changing my way of thinking, my way of being to so one of love, compassion, um, kindness um, is, is a way of being that I, that I live by. And so from one aspect, which was potentially the worst day of my life, which was saying goodbye to my son in a park was actually the catalyst to make me the best version that I am today. So in that, I'm always guided um, by my practice on a daily basis. And my daily basis, my daily practice is, you know, morning meditation and prayer and handing over to something that's greater than myself, which is God, you know, that might be nature, it might be the ocean. And so therefore I'm not running the show and it's always then focused of how can I be of service to others? And being of service to others gives me a great, you know, uh, motivation in life. So first of all, it was I needed to get with my son and I needed to be with my son. So I got back on the horse in terms of my career. I now work for an organization called Virtusa, uh, And they're a huge um, uh, global organization that provides technology services. And I look after the the healthcare, life sciences and insurance, which is just so close to my heart with what I've been through. And they gave me the opportunity to go out there and, and provide technology to those types of organizations to help people like you and me. So I did that. And during COVID, whilst I was in Melbourne, the best thing happened. And, and, and it might have been bad for a lot of people, and it is bad for a lot of people. But for me, what it gave me the opportunity was to be able to relocate to Perth. Mm-hmm. And relocating wow. to Perth and being with my son mm-hmm. was the, 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 the light of, that's my North Star. So I managed to do that and get over to Perth about a year ago. And um, so now really that really completed me as a human and as a man. And Mm. as a consequence of that, as a consequence of my practice, um, bringing it all back to what I do on a daily basis is is I've been just gifted with so much love and kindness and compassion of others and my higher power. And I pay that forward. I pay that forward in every moment and every second that I possibly can. I can, and I have a wonderful relationship with my son. We have a great co-parenting relationship with his mother, and um, you know, life is amazing. So that's where I am today.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Zamil, for for sharing that. I mean, you know, for for myself, um, you know, I already know a lot of uh, that story, but. Yeah, I guess you're the perfect example, um, Zumil, really, of of why we're doing this show. And um, yeah, I think like both Floyd and myself, we're just sitting here and, you know, we just listen to you talk and just, um, it's just really inspiring and, you know, like how you have got through, um, you know, so much adversity in your life and, you know, withstand those pressures and come through, you know, with kindness.
0: Yeah, look, thank you for sharing your stories, Emil. I was um, listening when you were talking about your your childhood and uh, the environment that that was um, there uh, as a child. How important do you think that was for you as an adult um, as you sort of went through this journey?
2: It's intrinsic to, I think, survival. You know, how people survived and people did what they needed to do to survive was a was a big, big, yeah, big part of it. You know, nobody's really ever asked me that question. But in terms of a context, a context to why I do what I do today, there's no doubt that the job that I do and how I am as a human being with, within my community comes directly back to the lessons that my mum and dad taught mm-hmm. me with how you bring together a community and a community. It, you don 't discriminate between black white yellow green disabled non disabled gender whatever you 're all equal, and everybody can be a part of that community so inclusivity was a huge part of it because i always felt i never felt separate from my community and 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 that's that that's big because there were some incredibly lonely times in um in in that you know the latter part of the my journey that I talked about
0: you've come through this in a uh, resilient way and you described getting a lot of self-help and having that hunger and you sort of talked about um, as a man in particular, um, you know, that that you feel complete at this point in your life. But, but reflecting on that, yeah, how did you get to that point of getting that self-help?
2: It was really quite simple. It was a gift of desperation. I'm not one of these people that um, go out there because I... I, I controlled for so long I had a you know there were other parts of my my childhood growing up, and this is obviously an abbreviated session about you know uh, kindness but there was there were some challenges I had you know mom and dad getting divorced was one of them, some abuse stuff that happened during that childhood. So really what I did in my life is I controlled everything and um, when I had to come to a point of letting go of control. That's when other stuff started to come up. And it was when I was actually desperate, on my knees, and nowhere else to go. And I wasn't going to end my life. I opened myself up to Mm. something else helping me. So in other people, you know, it's different. You know, they they know what they want to do and they want to get there. For me, I had to reach a point of there was nowhere else to go to. And that was the gift of desperation for me and from that gift of desperation and a clear sight line of sight um to um be the best version of myself for my son was the catalyst to then go into all of this work and it's kind of been there intrinsically for a long time i've always been open to help or support whatever aspect that might be physical mental emotional spiritual I've never actually gone into with the level of commitment that I did until that moment.
0: I could only, I could only think from from hearing your story. You know, to get back on your feet all of those times um, takes a lot of resource, doesn't it?
2: You know, I, 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 I because I live in the moment and live in the day. You know, and I, it was just that moment. I just had to move through the moment. You know, and and when I look back at it, my higher power, which I call God, um, really was there for me. And and somehow that inner resource um, was just there, you know, it was just there. And do I look back at it now and say, oh, that was really hard or that was really this? Well, no, I don't. I definitely don't want to go back there, but no, I don't. I see that as an opportunity for growth. It gave me an opportunity to be here today and and, and I suppose that that's, that's my message
0: mm. Mm. you know you've you've talked about God in that sense of that higher power growing up were you a religious person
2: My mother was Christian, my dad was Muslim and they both practiced and they never sort of said you had to be this or had to be that mm. so I went to church and I went to to, to, to mosque uh, when it was special occasion. And in the community, we had Sikhs, we had Hindus, we had, um, a real broad, Buddhists, we had a real broad cross section. And so I've been exposed to it all my life, but I didn't know how to practice it. I didn't know how to practice, um, spirituality. I didn't know how to practice a process of connecting to a higher power until, um, the last, Five years, really?
0: Yeah, definitely. And Zamil, when you describe God, I remember you talking about uh, nature in some of those descriptions. The first
2: part of recovery from cancer, there I, I was seeing a, a psychiatrist, an amazing psychiatrist, and that was assigned by the hospital because of the, the neurological stuff that was happening, and. In it, we started to use metaphors. And, and a metaphor that was really quite strong for me was a tree. And the tree represented, you know when you can burn a tree and it grows? And so you've got one part of the tree which is burnt and you've got this beautiful part of the tree which is growing? Mm-hmm. That was like what would happen to me. And in that became a connection to nature. And in that connection to nature and connection to, connection to my environment and something that was greater than me was the connection and the pathway to what, um, what, what God is for me, you know, um, is that we're all connected. It's not just down to me. I'm connected to everything and everybody, including nature. And therefore, I don't have to try to do this by myself. I can rely on a source that's greater than myself. So spending time in nature gives me that connection. So when I connect in that, I feel connected to everybody. And it's often when you feel disconnected. It's often when you feel alone that you, you you, you know, you you separate. You separate from something that's greater than me, you know, which gives you an understanding of, you know, this podcast and what you're trying to uh, put out there, which is about kindness, you know, I'm not thinking about others when I'm in that state. And sort of then that, that, that state of self, um, you know, isolation and self-obsession um, becomes you, becomes your body. So when I look around mm. me and just remind myself of of nature in those aspects that I've talked to you about, it, um, it presents an opportunity for me to go, okay, I am connected to all of this. Animals, for instance, mm. and dog that we had. You know mm. the kindness and love that this, an unconditional love that this dog used to show me, is just extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. Yes, I think. So I take inspiration from all mm. a, a number of aspects of um, uh, of nature. Sorry, I interrupted. No,
0: this. I'm just thinking. A lot of people would uh, would resonate with that, isn't it? Uh, there are a few dog lovers out there.
2: Uh, well, you think of what
0: s- dog spells backwards is. Oh wow! Yes, yes. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Zamel, I'm just uh, thinking then, and look, I mean, you've you've gone through a, a lot in your life. Uh, people, presently, in their own ways, and perhaps not right now in Perth, but in general through COVID, are. Um, you know, having their own challenges in terms of their lives, having to change? What would be there to really help them at this time?
2: I can only talk by experience. And that's the, the only thing I can offer in terms of hope for others is my experience. And in that experience, I started to do something on a daily basis. And so a good daily practice of, um, for me, I'll just tell you what it was for me. Yeah. It was prayer and meditation. It was a routine that was non-negotiable. But before my hip, feet hit the ground, prayer and meditation was is the things that started it all. And then exercise. So going for a walk in the morning, because you're only allowed an hour, because I went through this in Melbourne. I went through the first long lockdown. And that's actually what gave me a really good platform to sort of level up in terms of my well-being. And so that was a walk in the morning um, before sun- sunset. And that walk in the morning, seeing the sun come up, and going no matter what the weather really energized me, mm-hmm. absolutely energized me for my day, got me sorted. And then having the right nutrition. So I saw a nutritionist that would, would help in my particular recovery around um, Recovery from cancer, or what, I, what my body needed, and so I had my fixed um, meals for the day and the nutrition that needed me go, needed to get me going. And then I put in place a little bit of an exercise plan to say I wanted to achieve ten push-ups today, ten press-ups today, uh, ten sit-ups today, squats, and I'd say I'd have a list on my desk um, which I ticked off through that day. And then I had somebody I needed to call. So I needed to call some people that were not doing so well. And I wouldn't tell them about what was going on to me. I would actually call them to ask them about them and see if they were okay. The flip side of that, I'd also reach out to somebody and let them know what was going on to me. That was huge. Mm. And, 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 and the repetition of that meant they were up to date with me. I was up to date with them. And it began with me starting that process, and then in the middle of the day, I would have a walk, just a short walk, just a, a connection to nature that would get me out of that home. And this was trying to do the the hour per day that that, that was um, that was prescribed by you know the, the government in terms of this lockdown approach. And then at night time, to switch off my day, I would have a walk at sunset, and um, I've just completed my day, just seeing the sun go down, rising mm. with the sun, setting with the sun, having an early dinner and getting a good night's sleep. I think sleep is so underrated. So that getting that sleep at a certain time, because I rose so early, you, you're tired anyway. So your body naturally, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night, I'm ready for bed. And sort of that set me up for good serotonin levels, good chemicals being redu- uh, induced into me. I then discovered a hobby. I discovered a hobby mm-hmm. that i didn 't had no idea how to talent about, which was photography. Wow. I was taking a sunset and sunrise photograph, and I started sharing them with my community. There's a community Facebook page um, that I started sharing with, and people that couldn 't get out of the house was going, "Oh, that's beautiful," and that was a daily and sort of a, I used technology and Facebook in this particular instance to connect with my community. So even though we're isolated, we can still do stuff in our community. And that mm. goes back to, you know, how I was raised again, you know, and, and, and that community aspect. So that's that act of kindness, you know, is, is knowing that we just don't have to do this alone. So that's what I did. I don't know if that helps people, but that's what, it, what I did.
1: That's awesome. Zamil, thanks for sharing that. I think, I think Floyd, yeah. I think there seems to be a, a common theme from the from the first episode as well and that's meditation so i think it's time you you had a go <laughs>
0: <laughs> i get breathless when i uh, try to meditate but no look i think uh yeah there, there's definitely something there Zamil. Yeah, look uh thank you so much for uh joining us today
2: thank you for the opportunity
1: yeah no definitely thanks again zamil and, and um yeah it Especially these times in Melbourne, you know, listening to these stories and some tools and listening to other people about how they, um, I guess, moving forward through it um, is going to help a lot of people. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of the stuff that you said, you know, resonated with me, Zamil, and, uh, you know, from, you know, the meditation to the exercise and, uh, you know, we've recently started a, um, a running club. Which is uh, which is really exciting. Which we've just started yesterday, actually, um, and that's just to yeah to help people to uh, to go out and to to move and to exercise and get into nature and 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 to connect with people as well. So that we're really um, you know trying to do our part, I guess, to to connect people together in these times as well, and um, yeah, just give people something to, to look forward to um, in a day, and and hopefully. You know, what you've said as well will help to give people a little bit more structure in their day as well. So yeah, I really appreciate um yeah, your time again.
2: No problem. Thank you guys. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks, okay. see ya.
0: All right, bye, Zamil. Well, well there right. you go. There you go. What a wow. story. Yeah. Uh there are, like you rightly pointed out, but some common threads there, isn't it, reflecting on on uh last week with Rory. Um, that idea of going for a walk, I've been sort of mentioning to patients uh, along the way. Yeah. <laughs> Since talking to Rory and maybe before, but certainly these simple things um, can be helpful, isn't
1: it? See how Zamil was able to you know, have some perspective about, about where he was to help him to keep moving forward in those, I guess, dark times that he, he was going through.
0: And he's come through that and you can hear that uh, strength in his voice mm. presently. Absolutely.
1: So that's it. So that's the second second podcast.
0: Yeah, Brett uh, we will be back uh, doing another one, I'm sure. And yeah, look, uh, maybe just think about that uh, for everyone. Mm, there'll be a lot of pressure happening out there for sure. And uh, just try to tread gently as you go during those moments and come through being diamond kind
1: so if you go to www.atticushealth.com.au and you can sign up to the newsletter and uh you'll be able to access next editions of the diamond Co- uh, yeah, Kind okay. podcast as well i better
0: do that brett that sounds pretty good actually <laughs> i would clock off here and have a go yeah so uh yeah thanks for joining us and uh we will talk to you soon
1: thanks everyone talk to you soon
0: bye for now